Welcome to the Freedom City Church podcast, a podcast designed to help your faith thrive. We hope you enjoy today's message. So today, I'm going to get into my message. And uh, last week, I preached on exegesis. So we're getting straight, in, we're straight into the Word. We're unpacking the Word. We were uh, learning what the Bible says, the context, the meaning of it. This week, I'm going to get into something different, and I'm going to talk about experiencing God. Because I think it's important that as much as we get into the Word of God, we need to understand the importance of being people that dwell and experience the love of God. Yeah? Um, To everyone who's online, who's unwell, I know there's a few. To those who can't be here, to those who are on prac, to those who are away because they've got school things, um, those online, I'm not looking at you, Heather. Sorry, I'm looking, looking at the camera. It's good to have you, though, Heather. We love, we love you. Um, it's, we hope that this, you're blessed by this. Um, even though you're not with us, you're still with us. To all those who are new, welcome. It's, it's great to have you. Um, my name's Andrew. Online, my name's Andrew as well. Um, I, I'm stoked. I'm stoked to see the Miracle Babies uh, finally get up on stage for our hosting. Yeah, like, like, just grab, if you're hosting ever or you're saying something, on the way up, just grab a baby. Yeah, just grab a baby. We're okay with that. I love having little Eli up here in the back. He's such a chunker. We bless him, bless his future. But today I want to talk about experiencing God. Say experiencing God. So dependent on your upbringing, Depending on your upbringing, Christian or not, there is a tension that exists within people that compels us to ask, is God real? Is God real? Maybe you come to church, you sing songs, you pray and listen to the messages, but you don't actually feel anything. But before I move on too quickly, congratulations to Louise for finishing her exams yesterday. Um, Now she's, the next hurdle is twins but the next blessing is twins Uh, we pray that the the people marking those tests are overwhelmed by the spirit of God and give her 100% across the board that's warfare right there people Uh, so so maybe you come to church and you've been coming to church for a while you sing the songs you hear the message and but you don't feel anything yeah Maybe you're new to faith and you didn't know that there was more to your faith than what you're currently doing on your end. Because sometimes when we come to church, it's a do, do, do. I'm here to sing to God. I'm here to pray to God. I'm here to tithe to God. I'm here to serve God. I'm here to worship God. But that's all we expected is a one-way street. Today, I want to highlight that regardless of where you are on that spectrum, I believe that God is meant to be experienced. God is meant to be experienced. You know, my parents have been taking me to church since I was born. Thank you, mom and dad. You can't be here today. Thank you for your your legacy and making me the man I am today. But they've been taking me to church since I was born. But it wasn't actually until I was 16 years old that I knew that God was real, that God was personable, and that God wanted to interact with me. 16 years in a church. It took 16 years sitting in a church, going to Sunday school, being naughty, 
fallen asleep under the chairs at prayer meetings. It took 16 years. I wasn't 16 falling asleep under the chairs. Well, <laughs> I, was, I was a bit old by then, a bit huge by then. But it, was actually, it wasn't actually until I was 18, though, two years later, that I knew that if I spoke to God, that God also speaks back. So 16, until I felt God, inter- I felt the presence of God. 18, until I knew that I could have a relationship and experience and a back and forth with God. Not just pray, but know Him. What I'm saying today is, you may have grown up in church. You may have grown up in church, but you may be yet to experience God in a real, personable way. You may have grown up in church and you know religion, you know how to do church, but you're never meant to do church, you're meant to be church. And the church is inhabited and dwelled by the Holy Spirit. So you're supposed to experience God if you are the church. So I'm going to tell you a story. Who likes stories? We've got uh, we've got our new series, um, Storytellers, coming up again soon. So last time, Storytellers, obviously, you know, we had the, the campfire set out, and we heard Nisha tell a story about her life. Um, we're going to tell some more stories soon, um, and we're going to make it. We're going to have a, a spaceship. We're going to have two two astronauts. Talk, no, I'm joking. It's a, it's, we're going to have some fun with it. We're going to have a good time. We're going to make it special, and we're going to hear someone's story. So I used to go to a Bible college that was non-denominational. Basically meaning there wasn't a specific flavor to it. You know, there wasn't a specific lean to it. So I used to go to a Bible college that was non-denominational. So you'd rock up and there'd be Baptists, there'd be Anglicans, there'd be Catholic, there'd be Presbyterians, there'd be liberals, there'd be, nah, joking, there'd be conservatives. There'd, uh, like, there'd be so many different people. There'd be so many people... Uh, different expressions within the church, the whole hoorah that would rock up to this Bible college. But I remember this one lecturer, this one lecturer I had who would tell the same stories over and over and over again. Each class, it's like he forgot that he told that story in the last class. So I thought, I'll tell it again. It went, I think it's a good one. So tell the story, but they were long, they were repetitive, and they were inappropriate. Long, repetitive, and in- inappropriate. Everything you don't want in a story. <laughs> but I, the thing about it is, the thing about it is, I remember them. I remember these stories. I was engaged. I was listening to them closely. Because the lecturer's power of storytelling actually invited me into a space where I felt as though I could see what was playing out in front of my eyes. I was experiencing what he was saying. He had a, even though his stories... Like he, he, he made it so difficult to take them in. He made it at the same time with his ability to tell stories. I felt like I, I was there and I could ex, I was experience what he had experienced. But then I remember like this teacher one day just being like, oh, I want to know more about this this lecturer, this teacher. I want to know more about like his his background, like what 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 he's doing, what he's studying, because everyone. You know, it's like you're always studying. If you're alive, you're, you're a student of life. You're always able to learn something. So he told us, oh, I'm actually doing my PhD. And I said to him, 
oh, that's cool. Thinking, thinking, I'm a Pentecostal, so I'm in the Pentecostal movement. What does that even mean? We'll figure it out another time. I'm in the Pentecostal movement, but like I rocked up and I, I was just like, you'd have, you'd say something about the Spirit was moving at church on Sunday and all the Baptists were like, well, it was a the spirit doesn't move and you're like all right and it wasn't just the baptist there's probably someone else but it's like but i just remember sorry if anyone's from a baptist background i love baptists but i remember i remember he told me he's like my phd paper that i'm writing is actually called the role of experience in pentecostalism the role of experience in pentecostalism and i remember being there and i just remember everyone was just like we're a Bible college. You're not supposed to be talking about experience. You're supposed to talk about hard theological facts, you know. You talk about the synoptic gospels, talk about predestination, you know, justification. What is this word experience doing in a PhD paper? And I remember, I remember when I was in college, I've changed a lot. When I was in college, I used to be very harsh in my thinking, very harsh in my thinking. I used to call people out, if they use the words experience, feelings, or emotions. Uh, people would be like, I, don't, I didn't feel anything today in worship, and I, I would snap back, worship's not about your feelings. Have you ever heard that before? Worship's not about your feelings. And I would shut people down. It's like, worship's not about your emotions. Your faith's not about how you feel. You know, I remember being very harsh in Bible college, and I would shut people down just because I'm like, well, I've read, I've read the Bible in two different versions. I obviously know more than you, apart from the person who read it in three. But this lecture and this PhD, his PhD annoyed me. It actually annoyed me. It stuck in my head for years. And I'll come back in my reflections and I'll ask, what does he mean? What is the role of experience in Pentecostalism? What do you mean? We're at Bible college and you're meant to be educating me. And your life's work is a paper on experience. So over the years, though, I've matured in my faith, as you can tell. <laughs> I've come to realize that it has actually been my experiences with a real, personable God that has given me the strength to keep living, the strength to keep loving, and above all, the strength to keep being a pastor. Because <laughs> you need strength with a lot like you. <laughs> I'm joking, joking, I'm joking. It has been my experiences with a real personable God that has given me the strength to keep living, to keep loving, and keep walking in my calling. I'm going to make a bold statement here. I believe that experiencing God is necessary for the preservation and the, the maturing of your faith. Experiencing God is necessary for the preservation and the maturing of your faith. All right. Who wants to go to the Bible? Who likes the Bible? Let's go to the Bible. On three, yell out your Bible version. One, two, three. Nice. I'm an ESV man myself. So the Bible verse is Psalm 34. Eight, and read it with me. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Let's say that again. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Now say the thing underneath it. Taste and see. 
Yes. It's, it's, it's the same. It's the same, but it's just in Hebrew, the Hebrew alphabet. Um, what I want to do is like, I want to talk about experience, but I want to give weight and authority to experience. Because I think when we talk about this, we can talk about it from a place that doesn't have grounding. But for us to understand the importance of something that can be so fluent, that can be so misunderstood, we need to give it authority and strong understanding. So Psalm 34.8, Psalm 34 as a whole is something called an acrostic poem. It's an acrostic poem from the Hebrew alphabet. So there are 22 different letters in the Hebrew alphabet and it's an acrostic poem. So there's, there should be 22 verses in your Bible. If it's not, there's an exception there. But the Jewish is 22, uh, there's 22 verses that create an acrostic poem for every letter of the Hebrew alphabet. And it's a series of songs of thanksgiving. So an acrostic poem, just to make it sense, is like A is for apple, it's good enough for me. B is for banana, it's good enough for me. C is for carrot, it's good enough. I don't, I don't know where to go with that. But it's like basically the start of each line was Z. Z is for zebra, it's good enough for me. But it's like basically A, B, C, D, E, F, G. Basically, it means that each letter starts off that line of the poem. And so Psalm 34 is an acrostic poem. Who would have thought? Who would have thought that the Bible, in, in all its glory and wonder, has someone seen there being like, A, what rhymes with A? B, what, what rhymes with B? Yeah, it's like, no, I'm sure it would have been more inspired than that. It was David. He was, he was, David was an inspired man. But so even though we're reading from Psalm 34, 8, what I uh, do need to uh, say to you is when I was researching this, in the Jewish alphabet, in the Jewish version of this, it's found in 34, 9 because there's an exception within it in the in a placing of one of the letters, but we won't go too much into detail for that. If you want to, just go and research it yourself. So this makes sense because I'm going to explain um, the number that's associated with the letter. So even though we're reading from Psalm 34, 8, we're actually reading for the ninth verse of the Hebrew Scriptures. And if you look at this, this is the Hebrew Scripture underneath. Um, Heather, I might put you on the spot. From what side do we read the Hebrew alphabet? From which way? Right to left. So we read it from right to left. So you see the dots over there? That's where it finishes. When you read the Hebrew alphabet, it starts on the right and goes across left. So can we jump into the next slide? And can you jump? See, look at that letter. Tet. Now jump back again, Sam. And see on the right, it's the same letter. When you read the Hebrew alphabet, there's actually three, potentially four different um, ways that the letter's written. Even though it all looks the same, there's different little th uh, things to make it a little bit more special, a little bit more different. So when you read the, bar, the Hebrew alphabet, um, there's going to be some variations. It might not look exactly like the one that we saw, the Tet, but it is the same letter. Uh, can you go back to that, the letter, please, Sam? All right. So what I want to do is I want to break down the significance of this letter T because, well, not T, it's Tet. The letter Tet because it is the start of the poem, uh, the line of the acrostic poem. So it's the ninth letter 
in in the acrostic poem, even though the the, the verse is Psalm 34:8. When you go to the Jewish translation, you find it in Psalm 34:9. And so, what we have here, the line, ninth letter of the alphabet, Tes. It's actually Tet, also spelled T-E-S, but Tet. Everyone say Tet. Its numerical value is nine. Funny that. The numerical value of it is number nine, but there's significance to the number nine that we need to understand about the Hebrew alphabet. When we read the uh, our, our numbers, one, two, three, four, we don't give much value to it apart from just to clear straight out that one plus one equals two. Like when in the Hebrew understanding, each number has a meaning to it. It has significance and depth to it. So the numerical value is nine. And just simply the meaning, uh, one of the meanings that has been dissected out of it is good or best, the symbol of goodness in all creation. So taste and see the symbol, the goodness in all creation. That's the way I've just put that together then and there. But taste and see the, the goodness in all creation. There's more to it, but that is one of the meanings that have been dissected out of it. As some people might know, there's actually a lot more meaning to it than just what I put up there. So what we do when we find, we find the first letter, tet, in the first word of the verse, the Hebrew verse, tam. Tam. Next one, please, Sam. We find the the primitive root, which means the the letter, the Hebrew letter that is rooted in the word, which other letters can be added to to make a meaning. The first letter in the taste and see that the Lord is good is tam, or sorry, toam, toam. I said that wrong. So, it is a verb. Phonetic spelling, say to'am, to'am. It means to taste, perceive. So what we have, I know I'm jumping around here. So jump back again, please, Sam. Jump back two. So you see there, the letter tet is the, is the root word, letter, that makes up the rest of the word. So the first letter is tet, meaning to taste, perceive the goodness in all creation. So let's go back to the, the, the Torah. No, sorry. One back, please, Sam. This all, all makes sense as we move forward. So the thing about the letters in Hebrew is there's something about Hebrew letters, when we, def- we look at it, it's called the pictogram. And the pictogram basically shows us a, pi- a picture within the letter. So when we're looking at this letter Tet, we, we can pull a story or an understanding out of it through a picture. So this one here, one of the, one of the um, pictures that comes out of the letter Tet in Hebrew is that it is an opened container. So you look at it, it's like, it's like a basket, a container that's able to get things and hold it within it. So it's an opened container. But what that also signifies, a picture, it is that of uh, a mum holding a baby within its womb. So something is going to be birthed. 
So the mum is containing something new that is going to be birthed. Then what we have is we also see the picture of the open container. We see a picture. This is where it gets exciting. It's all exciting. We see a picture of the veil of the temple being torn in two from top to... Oh, I don't know if you're feeling this, but we see a picture of the veil being torn from top to bottom into so that the way into the holy of holies is now open for all who trust in Jesus. Goosebumps. Tet, an opened container containing something, birthing something new. We see a picture of the Holy of Holies, the, the curtain, the veil being torn in two so that anyone who trusts in Him, in Jesus, Jesus is the way, the doorway. Anyone who trusts in Jesus moves from one space into another space, from the outer part of the temple into the presence and the Holy of Holies. We enter the Holy of Holies through Jesus Christ. Tet. So when we're reading this word, to'am, or taste, the figurative nature of this word is an invitation to something greater than just eating something and seeing that it is good. Because it's like, taste and see that the Lord is good. All right, sweet. I had a chicken burger last night. That was good. No. So, so much more. The verse is an invitation to the communion table. And this is in Jewish culture. Sometimes people actually use this verse as an invitation to come sit at the communion table and let's remember the sacrifice of Jesus together. The verse is an invitation to enter the Holy of Holies into the presence of God through the sacrifice of Jesus and see that God is, the, is good and that God is the best. The depth of this word taste means to enter, to experience, to be in the presence of God. Tet. Say tet. Tet. Does that change it a little bit for you? Does that change it? You know, if we actually move on and we read in 1 Peter 2 verses 1 to 3. Next slide, please, Sam. There we are. It says, So put away all malice and hypocrisy and evil and all slander, sorry, and envy and all slander, like newborn infants. Long for the pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow up into salvation if you have indeed tasted the, that the Lord is good. So Peter references Psalm 34 verses 8 and verse 3 stating that if you have tasted that the Lord is good, all malice, deceit, hypocrisy, envy and slander will be put away and you will grow up into salvation through pure spiritual milk. Do you want to know what pure spiritual milk is? 
It's the Word of God. So if you want to grow up into salvation, if you want to put away all malice, deceit, hypocrisy, evil, envy, and slander, you need the pure spiritual milk, which is the Word of God. So we have this picture here that if people taste, tet, the Lord, by entering into His presence, they grow in the longing for the Word of God. It's getting me excited, you know, like, when you experience God, you grow in your desire to understand and grow in the Word of God. It's almost a chicken and egg thing that's going on here. You know, it's like, but I don't know about you, but I don't know the answer which came first, the chicken or the egg. What I do know is that chickens make eggs, which make chickens, which make lay eggs, which make chickens. It's happening already. I don't need to worry about where it started. It's just happening. So what we have is we're going to have chickens and eggs. So what we're going to have with that is if we keep entering the Holy of Holies, we will grow in our longing for the Word, and which makes us want to enter the Holy of Holies, which make us want to grow in the Word of God, which will make us enter the Holy Holies. It doesn't matter where it started. All that matters is it's happening. It's happening. If you want to grow in the Word of God, enter the Holy of Holies. If you want to, if you want to grow in the Word of God, enter the Holy of Holies. It's simple, simple. Just like a chicken doesn't birth chickens, and an egg doesn't birth an egg, the Word of God and the presence of the Lord work together. Just reading the Word doesn't equate to experiencing God's presence. And just being in God's presence doesn't mean that you grow in your in pure spiritual milk. The presence of God plus the Word of God equals spiritual growth. Experiencing God and reading your Bible equals spiritual growth. Because we want to experience God, but above all, we want to know God. Because we also have to understand that knowing God is not an optional part of the Christian life. It is the Christian life. Knowing God is not an optional part. It is the Christian life. It says in John 17, 3, Jesus said, This is eternal life that they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Eternal life isn't being a Christian, but is knowing God. Eternal life is that you know God, the on, you, they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. The English word, if we actually translate it into Greek, is a word called gnosko. Say gnosko. Gnosko. Which, in this context, means an experiential word, knowing, not simply an, an intellectual understanding of facts about God or Jesus or the Bible. And this is eternal life that they gnosko you. Gnosko you. This is eternal life that they have an experiential knowing of you, the, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. It's a verb to know absolutely in a great variety of applications and with many ap implications. But can I just point out something here as we go in and we read this? I want to make a massive point here. The Bible itself says to, eternal life is to gnosko God, to know God. What does that mean? To allow, be aware of, to feel 
God. You are allowed to feel God. The next time a young Bible college Andrew comes up to you and says, it's not about your feelings, tell him, Gnosko. Say, Gnosko. Gnosko. Oh, you don't have to say it now, but to, to this metaphorical Andrew, say, Gnosko means to be aware of, to feel God, to have knowledge of, to perceive. Perceive is actually the same word in Psalm 34a. It says, to taste, so tet to, to am, to am, to taste and see. See is perceive, to understand God. Taste and understand that God is good. Be resolved, which means to make a formal decision and speak of being sure in your understanding. This is eternal life. Experiencing God is not a Pentecostal charismatic trend or quirk. Experiencing God, feeling God is eternal life. It is eternal life. The Word of God and experiencing God are not separate. But when you read your Bible, you are experiencing God. When you are soaking in the presence of God, in the goodness, in creation, of all creation, you are experiencing God. And it's these things that will make us long for the Word of God. And so on, and so on, and so on. Tet, Tawam. I don't know what your theological lean is or what you go to, like who your favorite preachers are. All I can tell you is that I got that all from the Bible. I got that all from the Word of God. I got it all from the pure spiritual milk that will help us grow up into salvation. All I did was look at a couple of words, a letter, and I've, we've been able to dissect that to know God is to feel God, to be aware of His presence, to speak of God. So what I want to do right now, Sam, can you just turn up the pads a little bit? It's not fair for me to teach you this and that not give you a moment to apply it. So what I'm going to do now is I'm going to give you five minutes, and it's got, it could be awkward. It can be awkward. Because some of us are not comfortable in the presence of God. Because we're aware that we're sinners. We're aware that we're not perfect. I still remember one time, this is just a story like, one time I was playing my guitar and worshiping God. And I was just standing there playing and I was like, oh, I was fully getting into it. And then God said to me, why do you need a guitar to worship me? Why do you need a guitar to be in my presence? It was almost like this thing I put between me and God. It's like, well, even if I'm in your presence, God, I'm playing my guitar, I'm serving you, I'm doing something for you. What God's saying is like, I just want you. I want you. I want to feel, I want you to feel me. I want you to be aware that I'm here. I don't want you to try and prove yourself to me. I don't want you to pray good prayers to me. I want you just to feel me. 
Some of us are struggling to feel good because we're holding a guitar, a Bible, pre-planned prayers in between us and God. Five minutes I'm going to give you and you're not allowed any of those things. I want you to sit. I want you to shift your mind. I want you to say, God, I want to feel you. Don't pray a prayer that's different to that. Just say, I want to feel you. I want to experience you. And then let it happen. All right, so five minutes. Just turn the music up a little bit, Sam, please. I'm going to pray for you quickly. So in the name of Jesus, we just bind anything that will speak over your voice. In the name of Jesus, we push any distractions to the side. And we say, this space is created for you, God. This space is for you alone. Lord, I pray that we would feel you, experience you, know you.
Father, God, we thank you. sacrifice we've been invited into the holy of holies we want to taste and see that you're good help us God we struggle, where we're uncomfortable, help us just to push through and understand that you're not going anywhere. I don't know if God spoke to you then or you felt his presence. If not, next time. not then the next time if not then the next time do not be afraid to practice being in the presence of God he's not insecure he doesn't take it personally just take some time to sit down be silent chuck some of this music on and just try and feel him I've done it for years and it's changed my life I pray and I hope that this message encouraged you today that you can be comfortable being in the presence of God moving forward. Because unfortunately for you, if you're uncomfortable, is that God's omnipresent. And so he's kind of present all the time (laughs) for those who trust in him. So he's here already. Surprise. All right, guys, I love you. I love what God's doing in your life. Thanks for tuning in to the Freedom City Podcast. If there is any way that we can help you survive and thrive in your everyday life, we'd love to connect with you. If you'd want to know more about who we are, just head to www.freedomcityfremantle.com. Until next time, take care.